we did have uh, an incredible week in Pennsylvania. It really was. We went up there without really any, usually I have a lot of things I want to do while I'm up there, but this year we just really didn't, had one or two things. That the rest of the time we just spent with family and I don't know, like Vicki said, well, we knew when we were going up that we were carrying something, but goodness, it seemed like every time we talked to somebody that we ended up ministering, it was amazing. It was fun. I mean, it's fun to do that. It's a joy to do that and to watch. You know, we've got one situation up there that's, I mean, the, the goodness of God is going to change a situation up there. We have one who is uh, way outside the kingdom. <laughs> but I believe that God is, he's, he is able. He is strong in his desires. Well, it, it may take too long. Anyway, we, <laughs> we prayed for one of my nieces. One of my nieces, we were at a restaurant. Uh, we had gone and done some things, and we stopped at a restaurant, and she... Uh, we kind of pulled her down to our end of the table anyway because we hadn't talked to her much at, while we were there. And she began to tell us, and I've known some things about her, her husband, and he is a, he's, he's a good man, but he's dealing with a lot of issues from Afghanistan and some situations he was in. And because of that, he, he, he uses other things to try to find peace. <laughs> and so we prayed for her. She... she uh, and there were things prophesied over her and, and him, and especially him. And uh, the next day she called because he had gone to start a, a job, the type of job he works at some nuclear plant. And uh, they pulled him off the job because they smelled alcohol on him. And he basically is like that far from losing his job. And she called us the next day. We were on our driving back here, and she called us and just said, I think God's already at work because he's, he's shaking him. <laughs> he is shaking him to where he's afraid. So well, let's just keep on. Go ahead, God. Do what you got to do. Arrest him. Arrest him. Bring him in. So we had some R&R up there. Just some good rest and relaxation. But the Lord had given me those two letters, R&R, before we even went on the trip. And so I wrote them down and I wrote a couple thoughts down about them and Sometimes when I do that, and I don't know if y'all are like that, I'll do it and I'll go back two or three weeks later to it, and there's really like, I don't even know why I wrote that down, didn't, there's nothing on it. But this time I come back and I started getting back into it and there was something on it. So <laughs> that's what we're going to do this morning. It's not rest and relaxation, but we're going to start with the rest. See, natural rest, and this, you know, we're going to be, some of this is going to be out of James 2, some of it's going to be out of Hebrews. Just a couple of verses we'll throw around and I'll tell you when we get there. But, you know, when we think of rest, natural rest, is basically a time where we are busy, we're wore out, we need rest, so we, we stop and we cease doing what we're doing and we rest from what we have been doing from the past. We rest. We need that in the physical realm. We need some rest and relaxation. But in the spiritual rest, you know, there is, a, there is an eternal rest for God's people. And Hebrews says, you know, because those, those first, the Israelites, did not receive the rest because they didn't have faith, it says there now still remains a rest for the people of God who will reach in and by faith 
receive. That's kind of what we're going to talk about a little bit this morning. We'll mix it up with some other things, but that's basically what it is. Spiritual rest is really a positioning for the future. Natural rest has to do with our past, and we're relaxing from it because of the work we've done. Spiritual rest is not so much from the back. It has to do with going forward. It has to do with future things. James 2, 17, I believe it is, says... Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. There in the uh, old King James, it actually adds two more words there, or a couple of words that says, because it's alone. Faith by itself. You know, in, in, in James, he says about believing. He said, you know, it's good that you believe, but the devils believe also. Big deal if you believe. Big deal. The devils do that, and they're afraid. But that verse, like I said in the old King James, says because it's alone. Faith alone is not what he wants us to walk in. Faith alone is simply to say, yeah, I believe, but what are you doing with your belief? What happens with that? There must be, there must be something more. Verse 18 actually will give us the else part of that. It is, says, but someone will say you have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith without your works. And he says, I will show you my faith by my works. The by there is defined as denoting origin, point where motion or action proceeds. So what James is saying is, you, I'll, I'll show you my faith by initiating an, a forward motion into something, action. So faith is not going to do it. Just believing is nothing more than the devils can do. Surely the people of God have more in them than just believing. It's the origin of where something, emotion begins. So where emotion begins means there's action going to follow. Something's going to happen. I don't want to get Fred ahead of myself because I've gone. This has been in my heart for two weeks, and it's like I've got so much of it. I want to say I don't want to get ahead of it. <laughs> James two, right there at the end of that chapter, verse twenty six says, "For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also." As a pretty graphic picture, we've all seen bodies without the spirit. We've gone to funerals. We've seen it. I remember when we went, and it's, I don't mean to, you know, be gross, but I remember when we went to Vicky's, when Vicky's mother passed away. And the situation, the way it was, we, we, were, we walked into her room, and she was there, dead. And I remember when I saw that, and I looked at her, I remember just immediately in my mind, I said, that's a picture where there is absolutely no life. Everything about her face, everything about her eyes, everything about her was nothing. There was nothing there. The spirit was gone. Now, if you want to take that kind of a graphic picture and look at what it is to say, I have faith, but put nothing with it. Faith's alone. He said, you know, that's what the old King James says, because it's alone. Faith of its own is not enough because it's alone. There's nothing with it. You can believe all you want. Unless, you, unless something in you produces emotion, 
then you're just, you're just believing. You're just believing. I broke something here, guys. Let me look at that quick and make sure we don't go. I want to go on. Hebrews 4 is where the promise of rest comes in. It says, Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to come short of it. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith. It didn't profit them because it wasn't mixed with faith. Faith alone was not enough. This is an ongoing picture here if you're starting to get the picture. Faith alone cannot, is not what we're looking for. Without a mixture of something else with faith, it's no good. It doesn't profit you. Verse 3 says, For we have believed, for we who have believed do enter that rest. And the verse goes on to some other things. Believing is part of faith. Sometimes we just assume that faith is it. It's not. Faith and believing. What is believing? To believe is to be convinced by truth. If I believe, I have to be convinced of something for me to believe it. If I'm convinced of truth, then I begin to act in a manner where I start following truth. When I start mixing that, and see, we're going to get to the next part of this in a minute. When I start mixing that with, with what he brings me, now I have something to begin motion with. So my faith will have some works behind it. It will have action behind it. This faith is the faith that believes it, that it's a faith that's convinced by the truth. Sometimes we think that faith is spiritual busyness. Heaven forbid. I know we've all been a part of that through the years. We've all been a part of getting busy. And for some reason, we assume that that's a good thing because we're working for God. Not necessarily. If he didn't breathe it out of his mouth, then it's busyness. It's not hurting anybody, maybe, but it's not profiting us either. Hebrews says, without faith, it's impossible. Also, sometimes I've said down here, I wrote down, I want to say that. Sometimes works are done trying to please God. So faith, on one end, we'll do sometimes because we, are, we think it's good, but it's ended up just busyness. And then we try to do things for God without faith involved because we hadn't really heard any word. We're just trying to be good. So we do things that are good, and there's nothing wrong with doing good things. But where's the profit in it if he hasn't spoken it? If what he has said comes into us, mixes with faith, he gives us a measure of faith when we're born again. So the faith's there. You don't have to build it. It's there. But we mix with him, with what he says, with our faith, and we start walking forward. Then we have profit. Then something profits in the kingdom out of that action. Hebrews says it's without faith it's impossible to please God. What kind of faith is that, though? That's real faith, working, functioning faith. Not faith the devils have. They believe, but it's not enough. Faith, so faith by works pleases God. And we'll talk about how the works come, how they're produced. But, but God is pleased when our faith produces something. 
That's when he's pleased. Not busyness, not trying to do things for him. Faith mixed with his word. Now we work and it functions. It's profitable. My faith, this is a, just a statement came to me last night, and I don't want you to get it the wrong. I don't want you to hear it wrong. But my faith, our faith, when it's in proper working order, should become sight to those around us. My faith, our faith, a working functional faith should allow others, it should become sight to others. They should see it. We shouldn't have to tell them who we are. If they have questions, they may come and ask you, why are you like that? How, why do you continue? You know, and then we can tell them. But our, our faith, our functioning faith, we shouldn't have to tell people who we are. <laughs> I'm getting, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not going anywhere. Because we could really go there, but I'm not going there right now. We should live our lives in a manner that our works reflect our faith. What functions out of us should reflect who we are. Learning to live this level of faith will lead us to spiritual rest. When I'm talking about spiritual rest and that place where we can actually sit down and rest in the goodness of God, and yet it's, it's from forward motion. It's not to quit doing something, but the rest part comes because when I'm convinced, really convinced of truth, to where I can trust His Word without any doubt, that brings rest. I no longer have to hunt for an answer. I no longer have to try to figure out what's going on. If I trust His Word fully, now I can rest in what He has for me to do. It's not a rest to stop working. It's a rest for me to now. I don't have to produce anything in myself. I'll take what he brings and I'll put it in and I'll go. I'll do. See, when you're trying to when you're trying to work the works of God, you'll get weary. You will get weary. What did the, what did Jesus tell them when they asked him, what can we do to work the works of God? He said, believe. Believe. Trust who I am and what I say about myself. I've given you my word. I tell you, I rhema, I logos, whatever it is, everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Father is how we're supposed to live. That's what we live by. That's what we start. If we believe that without any doubt, now I can rest. I can rest from my labor and begin to just live in his, live in his service. You understand what I'm getting to? It's not a thing of what's us resting from labor. It's a thing of us resting for our future. We must be able to come to a place where we trust him fully and totally. Trust his word. If he says do it, just do it. This level of faith always is directing us to the path forward. This level of faith opens the heavens for the other R, the rest and what we're getting to, to function. The other R is not relaxation. Spiritual R&R &R is spiritual rest and revelation. When I can believe him, when I am convinced by truth, 
where I can believe him without doubt that if he says it, it's going to be. If I can believe, like if that's where I come to, he will begin to reveal the hidden things of his heart for us. If I don't believe, if I'm just trying to do works to please him, he's not going to reveal the hidden things to me because I'll just push, I'll be like a... I'll be like the swine. I'll just be pushing those pearls under my feet and squeezing them in the mud. He knows our heart. He knows when we're willing and ready to believe him with a whole heart. When he does, when, we, when he knows that, when we do that, the revelation starts to come. The hidden things of God. That's what the, re the re revelation is, the revealing of hidden things. So the hidden things that he has for you and I will be revealed when he knows we can carry them. Doubt is a human trait. <laughs> when we're in him, as Janu said this morning, then we become extraordinary when we're in him. Doubt should not be a part of that life. I'm not saying I've risen above that. I'm saying I want to rise above that. I don't want doubt to ever be a part of my life. The circumstances are ugly, and they can get in our way, and sometimes we listen to them instead of listening to the truth of God's word. But I want to be one who does not doubt because doubt always produces two things. It gives you there's truth and then there's my truth. <laughs> That's when doubt comes into play because I don't know what to believe if I'm not grounded in him. Doubt comes in. That's a split in what we're thinking, what we're believing. I'll tell you a little story. about this, exactly what I'm talking about, that happened in Pennsylvania. Vicki and I, you know, we have gotten to where we like playing disc golf. And, uh, you know, we're, we're playing and we enjoy it. We like it. So we went to play while we were up in Pennsylvania. We found a time, we found a course to go to, and there wasn't anybody there is actually at Messiah College. It's a great campus of a college, Brethren in Christ College up there. And the uh, course is wide out. It's, it's out in the middle. It's not trees. It's all fields. And they have mowed fairways for this disc golf where you throw your disc. And everywhere there's not mowed grass was stuff about this high. And it's all field grass, hay, matted back and forth, stuff that, you know, you just almost can't walk through it without lifting your feet. It's so thick. So Vicki throws her first one. This first one goes down a deep hill, and it turns like this and goes out of sight. You can't see the basket at the end of the fairway. So she throws it. We watch it go, and it starts to turn. It goes and goes out of sight. So ah, we'll, you know, we'll go down. We'll get it. When we, so we go down, and we look for that disc for 30 minutes anyway. And it was 94 degrees that day up there, humid like it is here. It was horrible. 30 minutes, she says, I don't care if we lose the disc or not. I'm done. I said, okay. So we go on. We play seven more holes. We come back around to where we're going to leave after nine holes. We said, that's enough. So I get up there, and I just, you know, I just think, and I said, you know what? Going back to the truck, get cooled down. I'm going to go ahead and play this first hole again. While I'm down there, I'm going to look for your disc again. So I go down. I throw down, I see, you know, da, 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 I walk down. And while I was up there, I overlooked this area. I said, yeah, I'm going to start looking right there because that's the last place I saw it. 
So I started walking. I went, this is about a 30 to 40 foot wide path of nothing but stuff this high. There's a little bit of woods here and the fairway over here. So I start walking back and forth every two feet. And I just go about 15 feet. And I said, you know, I said, she didn't throw it this far. I'm going back the other way. So I turned around and went back the other way. Every two feet I came back and forth just kicking stuff. I was there for another 20, 15, 20 minutes. So I get this thought. <laughs> so I say, you know, Lord, this would be one of those cool times if you would show me where this thing is. I'm tired of looking. But I don't want to leave it there. I, it's not that they're expensive, but I don't want to leave it. And so five seconds later, the thought kind of, just this thought comes, and I'm kind of okay with that because we've been having a great time spiritually anyway, so I'm thinking, okay, if it's you, I'm going to do it. So he says, you know, I hear, turn left and start walking. So I turned left. <laughs> I started walking. So I come to the, I come to this, here's the woods. And it's like, okay. So I turn around, I just start walking back out into the field like this, and I get about this far, and I, the thought comes again. Turn left like I told you. So I go back over to the edge of the woods. Now I'm about 10 feet up from where I was, and I walk over like that. He said, the thought comes, you can see it from here. And I'm thinking, man, I'm, a, I'm really just either believing or I'm just it's like you know what so I'm just standing there looking around like this and this deep stuff and there's a tree limb coming down to the edge of the woods there's a tree limb right here so I take the tree limb and I do that sitting at my feet that's the faith I have to learn to live at that level where I trust because I trust I did I was done I was hot I was tired Physically, I was done, so I was able to trust. It's like, okay, if it's you, I'm going to do it. I don't want to be like that. I want to immediately respond. But that day was just that I was exhausted with it. And then he shows up. I have to learn to listen at that level because that's the kind of faith I'm talking about. I did have to step it out. I could not never found it if I wouldn't have moved. If I would not have moved, I would have never found the disc. Faith without works is dead. If I hadn't moved, I wouldn't have found it. I did move. I listened to his word. Now, there's another issue. If you, if you have been taught that this is the only thing that you can listen to, then you're probably going to miss out on some of the word of God. Because he, not only does he speak with his logos, but he speaks rhema. He talks constantly. You know that. You've been taught that in this house. He never stops talking. He is always talking to us. We just got to learn to listen. Because when we hear his word, we believe his word, we have faith, and then we respond. That's the works. The response is the words. The revelation part of this R&R, &R, the first part, the rest is, is the faith, is the believing. The second part, the revelation comes, that's the action. See, so, I mean, when I heard R&R, &R, it was, I mean, I, it was fun when I started getting this stuff all to come out. Because the rest of God is the faith, where I believe that he'll do it. The revelation, then, he says what to do, and I start doing it. Now I have a mixture. It's not faith alone. It's faith in his word. And I, if I have faith to trust his word, 
stuff's going to happen because he said so. If he says so, it will. That's the bottom line of this. If we trust that his word is true, when we respond to his word, we know it's going to be. I said earlier, circumstances will raise their ugly face and cause you to think opposite because circumstances in this earth and this world will usually oppose God's word. And it's easy to see that thing staring you in the face. It's easy to say these circumstances are real. You may be able to put your hand on them. They're that real. But if you have a word from God and he says, walk over that circumstance, if I do, then I, sh I will see the results that he said will happen. That's not easy. That's one of the hardest things I think there is in the Christian walk is to believe to the point where I actually do it. If I would have just thought that my, these are just my thoughts and walked off and left, I would have missed one of the coolest blessings in my life that just happened to me recently. That was an amazing blessing to me. My words out of my mouth as soon as I saw it were, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> I just started laughing. I said, you're just amazing. And I just started laughing and walking around. I had a great time with that. And it's, but it is, it is the picture of this. We must learn to believe at the level that we'll trust his word to where we will respond. I know that you and I are all, we're alike. I know how we are. We, listen, we hear something, but because we don't trust it's him, we don't do anything. We think it's just us. It's just our thoughts. Now, that's, that's a whole other world. Now remember what James said about a man. Now he's he was talking at the time about asking for wisdom, but the principle is there. He said, you ask for wisdom, expect to get it. And the very next thing he says is what? Do not be double-minded. Because it says a double-minded man can expect nothing from God. That's pretty strong words. What's a double-minded man? It's one who says, I believe, but when the circumstances are in the face of it, I don't act. That's double-minded because I'm, I'm believing God, but I'm believing the circumstance also in front of me. That's double-mindedness. And what's he say? Don't, that man expects, can expect nothing from God. Which comes, just, just turn that back around to logical way of thinking. If we're not to be double-minded, it means he wants us to be single-minded, purposeful, direct. He speaks it, I respond to it. That's single-mindedness. Not wavering, not wondering if I should, just doing it. I don't know about you, but many times, if I'm talking with someone, I'm ministering at some level, somebody, I, those, things will, those things will come, and I'm, I, I wrestle sometimes, should I say that? But invariably, when you do, it's what they needed to hear. <laughs> I wrestle with it because it doesn't make sense to me. Why would I say that to them? Because I don't know who they are. 
God knows who they are inside. He knows what they need to hear, so he speaks it. If we're, if we're living a faith level to where we can trust his voice, logos, rhema, his breathed word, if we learn to trust it, then he's going to speak to us, we're going to respond, and there's profit to it. There's profit to it. Okay. A single-minded person will be the one who, being convinced by truth and now exercises his faith by acts generated in us by God's word. That's how that functions. That's the rest and revelation of God. Jesus did what he saw his father do. Amen? Jesus wasn't walking around the earth just, just thinking, I'll just, I'll just do a good deed. He probably did some of those. But all the stuff we're told, and it says there's so much more that volumes couldn't hold it, all the things we're told that Jesus did was because he saw or heard the Father do it. He heard it. He believed his Father. If he heard his Father say something, he did it. And what crazy stuff we saw him do. Put mud on the eyes of a blind man. Will you think if God told you that, that would be like, hmm, I don't know. Because why? Because I'm afraid if I do something and it doesn't work, it reflects on me. If you hear God, if God said it, you do it and don't worry about it. Because they may walk away blind and the next day the scales fall off their eyes. You don't know how God's timing works. You just got to believe. We just must respond to the word of God. It's not our place to make it happen. We can't make it happen. When we get the revealed word, when we get the hidden things of God, and when he begins to tell us those things, this is what propels us. This is what causes us to go in the path forward. It propels us into what? Who we were made to be. I mean, I talk about this stuff all the time, so I know that I repeat myself a lot. But I believe it, and I'm learning to believe it with all my heart. You and I were made and created for purpose. His purpose. He gets his purpose accomplished through our personal destinies. He wants you to walk out your destiny, because that's how his purposes get accomplished. That's why I've begun in the last few six, eight months as he's revealed some things to me. I begin to pray that way now. No destiny shortened. No destiny shortened. I speak it over you, this house. I speak it. No destiny cut short. None. None of your children. No destiny's cut short. That you will fulfill the fullness of what God put you in this earth to do. For us to fulfill that destiny, we must trust his word. And we must be able to walk it out by faith, believing. Rest and revelation. The mixture. They mix their faith. He says, because faith was mixed with what? Action and deed through his word. Now there's profit. Without that, there is no profit. 
<sighs> Without spiritual rest, that faith, that believing, hearing his word, trusting his word, without that, how could we even begin to guess what our destinies are? I did it for years, and I know that others struggle. Well, I hear it all the time. We talk to people all the time. And I still, I have to step in and keep believing because one of the biggest questions in Christians is I don't know what my purpose is. I don't know what I'm, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. That's a whole nother lesson or series. But one of the ways you can begin to look into that is begin to look at what, what you do and what you're comfortable at and what you desire to do. Look at that. Take a serious look at that. Because God's not going to put destiny into you that is so foreign and weird to you that you would never even think that way. He's going to give you a bent in his creative manner towards you. He's going to give you a bent that causes you to lean into what he expects you to carry out. That's how I believe. You may not believe like that, and that's okay. That's how I believe. Revelation will propel you into destiny. That's what he reveals his hidden things for. Those are things that you probably never know unless you're at the place where you can believe and willing to walk. Those are the hidden things that God keeps unrevealed until the perfect time is up. Let me see. <sighs> Faith is built in us by the truth. And revelation is that which propels us to accomplish the works. I've already said that. I really like this verse. You know, I, I see this stuff as this is our nourishment. When, you know, like when I found that disc, I didn't need any more spiritual food at that time. I was so excited and so full of God. I was so, I was just, man, I was just overflowing. Because I... I saw it in front of my eyes. I saw my actions fulfilled. <laughs> I believed, and, he's, and it was there. <laughs> Jesus said in John 4, 34. Let me read it. In 32, he said, but he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. And therefore, the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him anything to eat? And Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. That's the food. That's what nourishes us. Jesus said, if I'm, if I, I'm just, my food is if I'm doing his will. And if I complete what I was sent here to do, that was his destiny. Jesus said, that's what feeds me. That's what makes me go back for more. <laughs> Bread pudding will make me go back for more. But that's the spiritual, that's not the spiritual side of things. <laughs> when our faith is so tied to response, it's so quick that you hear and you respond. Uh, that, that place of nourishment, that place of satisfaction will make you run to the next situation. Look for the next opportunity. 
<laughs> After a while, you're looking for somebody to, to talk to, somebody that's hurting, somebody that's wounded, that you can just go to them and start loving them, and then God starts to speak, and you just say what he's saying and let him love them to health. But we've got to stop. I mean, it's, good works are okay, but we've got to stop trying to do things that are good without God's word on top of it. His word empowers what's going to happen. If I'm just saying stuff out of my soulish realm, it may be good stuff, but Jesus didn't do stuff out of the soulish realm. He did it because he was in fellowship with his father all the time. He heard his father do, he did. That's where we need to be. To me, that's the true kingdom living. That's the true apostolic realm that we're a part of. This, this new era that is not coming, it's here. This new era. I can tell because of there's been a change in, in me. And I, I mean, that's a good thing. But I can tell because there's increased, what is it? It's, it's an increased anticipation in his presence. His presence has been closer and seemingly stronger. I don't understand that other than that he's up to something. Because there's not a lot about me I've changed. But I believe it. I believe that he is wanting this culture to change in this earth. So he's coming. But to me, this, this type of understanding faith mixed with action, this is the thing that causes us to be those who can, who can be mature. We can sit in the heavenly places and we can, we can delegate and we can speak and we can declare from the heavenlies into the earth because we're mature enough to hear his voice and respond to it. That's maturity. That's what it is. When you can hear his voice and are willing to respond to it instantly, that's the maturity. Mature Christians are the ones who are the ecclesia. All the body have opportunity to be ecclesia. They're all members of it. But those who delegate and those who sit in those heavenly places and declare out into it, you can't do that if you don't have the realization in you that God's word is true. And it doesn't need to be doubted. If he said it, I'll do it. That, that's what causes you to be able to sit in that heavenly place and delegate out into this earthly realm. is because you believe what he said and you're willing to do it. If you don't have that, then you don't need to be saying anything. You can, but it'll profit nothing. We already passed. We already covered that this morning. If his word's not on it, if his breath isn't on it, it profits nothing. Just because you believe your own words does not, does not give any validity to it. Only God's word mixed with your faith that he already put in you is going to bring a profit into this. This is the true kingdom walk. Declaring truth into lying circumstances. Now, that could go on and on and on, and we're not because we're about through. But that's one of the biggest things that I see right now. The circumstances we see in America with politics, with all the stuff going on, all that, you know, from, from high levels all the way down into our personal lives. Those things, those circumstances that are lying, they're waiting 
They're waiting for God's people to stand up and say, that's not what God said. This is what God said. And I declare, begin to trust his word. If he said it, do it. I mean, that's what Jesus said about it when he did the wine, wasn't it? Whatever he says, do it. <laughs> and that's what I would say to you. Whatever he says, do it. It's a matter of us maturing to the level where we'll trust his word. If you want rest in his kingdom, that's the rest. That's where you'll find him. When you trust him wholeheartedly. Father, if you said it, I know it's real. I know it's right. I know it's true. That's where it's, it's all. There's, that's so simple. I mean, would you not agree that most of our frustrations as Christians is because we just really don't believe his word? <laughs> I'm not there. I'm not at the place where I can. I'm not telling you that I believe perfectly. I still see circumstances. I still question things. But I'm getting closer to where when I question, I think, wait, no, wait a minute. No, 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 no that's not right. I'm telling you, I've never been one of those who can, who sense anything. Like we, you know, you hear prophets come in the area all in there and say, man, when I get into the Memphis area, I just, man, it was hell. I could tell there was some stuff. I've never been somebody that could feel that stuff. This past time, we got home and we got to the airport and we were, because we had rented a car, we turned it in. And I had so much agitation and irritation and anger and something over me. And I was starting, I just told her, I was telling her, I just can't stand being back here. I hate Memphis. And I just started this kind of stuff. And after about 10 minutes, it just, boom, click. Wait a minute. This is not, this is not me. This is not how I've, I've just spent a week in your glory. This isn't, this isn't the same thing. Something wrong here. Just spoke it out. Did the deal. Put him down where he belonged. And peace was there. Just that quick peace was there. Restored. That's the first time that I've ever felt an agitation of the stuff over this city. I felt it when I drove in. It was in opposition to who I am. So I came back into it, and I'm flowing, and I hit that boom, and it just caught, and I just started just blah. <laughs> I, I don't like that about me. I'm not proud that that happened. But the truth of it is, it did. But the greater truth of it is, I recognized it and quickly dealt with it. We got to believe his word. I guess the last thing would just be that it's just the thing I wrote at the end. I just let's not tell people that we're Christians. Let's just be Christians. Let's not tell people about all about ourselves. If they can't see it, then it's something with us. It's not God. God's there. He's present, always present to walk with us, to join with us. That's his desire. Let's start believing his word without doubt and then act on it. I believe if we do that, we don't have to tell anybody who we are. They'll see the acts. They'll see the acts acts. <laughs> they'll see the things of God opening and blooming before their eyes, and they'll ask, what is this about? Then we can tell them this is God's love. This is, why, this is who God is for you. This is what he wants in the earth.
clear? All right, cool. That's what, that's what I was supposed to deliver this morning. I'm appreciative to him for it because it's a, I'm telling you, I don't know how to tell you anymore. This probably two months, the last two months have just been an amazing, amazing journey with his presence and him being there. Just, just, <laughs> it's just been fun. It's been so fun. I just encourage you to do it, to follow his word, trust his word, trust him. You remember the verse, and I can't remember where it's at. I looked it up this week because I thought about it. You remember the verse where he says it? There's many different ways to interpret it, but where he said that I, I put my word above my name. <laughs> Jeez. His name is all authority. His name is all authority. He was given all authority. He still has got it. He's delegated it some to us, yes. We carry his authority. But he is an authority in authority over everything. And yet he says, I put my word above my name. If you don't think his word's powerful, his word is powerful. Have the faith to believe his word, which, which will compel you to do something with it got to do something with it believing it isn't enough mix the doing with it works of itself not enough faith by works all right pushed you far enough that's great <laughs> try to get people to see stuff it's like <laughs> something um like one of the examples, Deb is putting her faith into action. She heard from the Lord that she was supposed to be going to Israel at this particular time. She didn't have the finances. She didn't really have the time to spend being away from her clients and so forth. But she had heard God for herself. And so she stepped out and took action. And so she is being able to step in to what goddess has for her and i don't know if y'all remember the dream that i had on easter morning about healing coming to the church and remember i went up to an upstairs window and um it was i was in the house of john g lake who started the healing movement back at the turn of the century and part of this dream was they were selling all the contents of the house and anybody in the church could come and get what they want and it was being released to the church again. And so I went upstairs because there was more valuable items upstairs and there was a whole jewelry display. And there was a woman there looking at a set of earrings and they were gold rings, a pair of gold rings and they had like a little pearl, little emblem on them. And so she turned around and asked me in the dream, how do I wear these earrings? So I took them from her to examine them, and I realized that they were more than just earrings, that, that what you did was you took the earrings and you snapped them together, and it created a ring. And when you snapped them together, the pearls on the individual earrings created the form, and it was actually because I think it was Easter morning, it was a rabbit that was outlined in silver with the maker's mark on the front. And I explained to her is, 
how you wear these is you snap them together and wear them and it becomes a signet ring. The maker's mark is a signet ring. And so when I woke up, I asked the Lord about this ring and he said that what you hear from me, which starts out as earrings, what you hear from me, turn that into putting it into a signet ring that you have my full authority to do what I've told you I want to accomplish. What you hear will be your signet ring from the Lord to step out into full authority. And I asked the Lord, I said, why is, what about the, the bunny and, you know, the, the silver with the emblem on the front? You know how maker's mark is usually on the inside of jewelry, but this one was on the front over the ear of the rabbit. And he said the rabbit was multiplication of life. He said that what we step into, once we hear God and step into it and activate it, he said it will bring the largest numbers into the body of Christ that we've ever witnessed on this earth. And he said that the maker's mark was over the ear because we're also stepping into our greatest time of being able to hear God like never before. And as we hear we turn that into his authority in our lives to step out and accomplish what he desires. Amen. Amen. Well, if you would, stand with me and we'll bless you and we'll leave this place full of God, spilling out on everybody we touch. Amen? Oh, come on. Amen. Come on, man. I know you're sleepy, but, you know... <laughs> Uh, one of my favorites out of Jude I, I just love it I always get back to it and it's very fitting for this morning <laughs> now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling I mean I love that part just for him who is able to keep you that alone is enough mercy but from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior who alone is wise be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. 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 Enjoy your week. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Remember, there's prayer teams at the front that if you need prayer, it's here for you.